0: (laughs) The big challenge for us over this COVID thing is like, initially, I think everyone just was terrified in February and March when, you know, things started to collapse. And um, so the initial response from everybody was, oh my God, how do we kind of prepare ourselves for this? How do we scale back? And then it was like, uh, a month later, it's like, oh my God, how do we scale up? So that's (laughs) the biggest challenge from our standpoint is how do we produce more out of our, get more out of our factories?
1: That was Phil White, co-founder of Cervello and the newly announced 4i acting president, and this is his story on the Pacing Racing Podcast. Alright, what's happening everyone? Welcome back and welcome to the first time listeners. My name is Steven Langenhausen. I'm the host of Pacing Racing, the podcast helping you reach optimal health and endurance through learning from the world's brightest health experts and the world's most talented endurance athletes. And today joining us is legendary Phil White to talk about his recent new position as acting president for 4i Innovations amid uncertain times and where he sees the state of triathlon and triathlon tech heading in the years to come. Now this is one of those easy listening tech and triathlon news episodes that you do not want to miss So for those who don't know about Phil, he's a pioneer and legend in the cycling and traveling world. From starting up Cervelo as a co-founder in 1996 as a basement school project in Canada to seeing Cervelo as the pinnacle bike used at the Ironman World Championships, I think he's done a fantastic job in an incredibly niche and competitive market. And now aside from Cervelo, Phil has also been a board member of Four Eyes and has recently been announced the acting president. And aside from Cervello, as of this month, Phil stepped up to become 4i acting president and will lend his perfectionist touch to design, manufacturing, and marketing to make 4i even stronger tomorrow than they are today. And I'm super excited because not only am I a fan of 4i for being a Canadian company, but I'm a huge fan of their products. And I currently use the 4i dual crank power meter, the heart rate monitor, and the Stack Hallocene Smart Trainer, the predecessor to the new and improved 4i Flight Smart Trainer. Now, it's been a while since I've spoken on tech topics here in endurance realm, so I thought who better to speak with than Phil White on his reasoning for joining 4 his plans for the future with the company, and where he sees the future of triathlon tech heading, and ultimately, where do we see our sport heading in the years to come? Now, it's an all-hands-on-deck discussion today as we talk about all things to do with triathlon innovation from one of the industry's brightest and forward-thinking minds. So, without further ado, guys, let's get into it. All right, Phil, thanks for coming on the show, man. How are you doing?
0: My pleasure. That's great. Thank you. Other than I'm kind of caught up at home, but uh, the same as everyone else around the world. So I guess we're all getting used to it now.
1: Yeah, no, that's so true. And uh, we actually were just discussing here before this podcast, that we're both actually, uh, well, we're probably about an hour's away from each other at the moment, but uh, it's crazy. Not too often do I get to speak to a local Canadian. So uh, that's pretty fascinating. Yeah,
0: well, I think, you know, and it's funny, it's because 4Eyes is obviously a Canadian company as well. And yeah, people just don't think of Canadians typically as being, you know, world leaders, but, uh, I think in cycling, uh, you know, it started off with mountain bikes. So I think, you know, Canadians became best known and as kind of, especially on the West coast, again, uh, more focus on, you know, really good mountain bikes. And, um, and then I think with road bikes, I think, you know, between us and, uh, and Guru and Argon 18, it kind of grew that kind of, and all of us in that, when we started at, uh, Cervelo in Montreal, like those three companies we all had our, our offices or we were all working out of our out of our shoe you know our shoe boxes or our our front rooms at that point and we were all probably within you know a kilometer of each other so yeah there's a lot of stuff
1: that's come out of Canada over the last few years Amazing. No, it's so true. We're we're definitely happy to be having that going for us here. So that's awesome. And you know, I mean, first off, I just want to say congrats on, of course, becoming the acting president of 4i Innovations recently. I think you're a perfect fit for it. And it's a remarkable company as we'll talk lots about here. Uh, but before we do, I guess let's dive in just to catch everyone up to pace here about your background. Just to let the listeners know who you are for the few who don't know you already. All right.
0: Well, uh, I guess uh, Gerard Roman and I, we started Cervelo in Montreal in 95, 96, that area. And uh, we grew that uh, company to be the largest uh, premium road bike and triathlon uh, company in the world and sold it to Pawn in 2012. Um, George went on to form uh, Open Bike and then uh, he's now, I think, the CTO at uh, Triple T. And uh, I, w- I stayed on with uh, Pond as uh, their uh, chief innovation officer across the bike brands. And then the last, uh, I guess, I've been gone three years now doing you know work on different boards and helping startups and uh and doing some teaching of innovation uh in universities and consulting as well so
1: that's how we've been keep, keeping busy over the last few years no absolutely definitely for sure and the story about cervello it's incredible to me and i want to highlight that quickly before we move on and you know, you started that with your co-founder as a school project uh, it seemed like back in the basin way back in 1996 now can you kind of expand what this project was all about back then and and how did you guys transition to take this simple project and transition it to such a high functioning business?
0: Well, I mean, it was, uh, yeah, it was, it started off as a school project. Eric, er, Gerard and I were in the same, uh, uh, same composite materials lab at McGill and we just got chatting and, you know, cause we'd made a few bikes in the, in the lab. Um, it was just, you know, it's a, a bike is a great thing from an engineering standpoint. It, it's, you know, it looks so simple, but it's actually quite complex um, in the routing of the stress and, you know, the stress, different stress states that it's in. So um, it's always, you find a lot of bike projects when you're in engineering school. Uh, Gerard came in and he was originally, of course, Dutch. And he had this design of a time trial bike for Jani Buño. And his team were pretty supportive. They sent us a bunch of equipment and uh, it got started that way. But we found the biggest, our biggest market or potential market was really in triathlon and one of my friends from university was a top Canadian elite, uh, uh, Ian Fraser was a top Canadian elite guy, and so he was super helpful for getting us started, and triathlon was just taking off at that point, and triathletes were willing to try anything to go faster, It it was all about finding a way to go faster, and they would ride the craziest things ever, and they didn't care what it looked like, it just had to go faster, and you know, our kind of crazy looking bikes kind of fit right in there, now they've kind of become the norm, I think really in, in, uh, in bikes, uh, you know, an aero bike just from the standpoint of a road bike, but also a time trial or triathlon bike. But back in, in, uh, you know, mid nineties, it was a pretty radical looking bike.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think it, you guys definitely were leading in the forefront of innovation there with the bike designs. And it's absolutely incredible to see some of the, those designs that are coming out today. And I, I guess to go back to that, like where did this knack for design and innovation originate from? Like, does this is this something that stemmed from childhood or was this something you've trained yourself on over the years through university and forward? Or kind of where did this all come from?
0: Yeah, I've always I've always liked making things and, and designing things. Um you know, I love engineering because it's that combination of the uh, understanding your customer and then, you know, having a technical solution to it. So, you know, when Jordan and I met uh, at McGill, it was, it was a, you know, we were both really lucky. We kind of thought the same way um, and, you know, had a little bit different take on it. He had more of the bike uh, background at that point, And I had more of the uh, project management background. And so we kind of, we were very complimentary in that respect and we both really shared the same mindset, the same values. And, uh, and, and we just built a company that, you know, did what we wanted to do. So we wanted to make really cool stuff that made a difference. And, uh, and we just grabbed a bunch of people that had the same attitude and, you know, it wasn't until, so we sold to pawn and they said you guys are really good at innovation and, uh, can you, can you spread that across our other brands that you kind of sit back and go, okay, so, how did we really do that? It was just kind of, it was intuitive. I think we both thought the same way and we just did it. Um, you know, we had a lot, a lot of long discussions about, about how to do things and that. Um, and, uh, but they were, I think they were all focused on the same direction. We both pulled consistently in the same direction. It was a subtle difference on how do we, how do we achieve that? But yeah, with, uh, when you kind of sit down and how do how do you package that and how do you make that uh, teachable and transportable um, to other people. you really have to learn it to a next another level and you figure out what did what were the secret sauces that you had and what were the things that you didn't do so well And there were some things that we did well and some things we didn't and it was a matter of the nice thing with pawn was I had the t- chance to and the time to kind of sit back and figure that out.
1: No, absolutely, it, it's so true. And when you talk about, if you know those secret sauce, it's just you guys had the knack for. It because I mean, we see consistently Cervelo has been such a dominant force down at Kona World Championships year after year. So it's it's definitely taken its course and done really well over the years. And it's just awesome to see how big that company has grown. And now, so you sold Cervelo and although still stayed a part of the team, you were looking for other avenues and. So how did you stumble across 4 and what made you want to become a member of their team? Uh, you've been, I think, with them since 2017, I believe, right?
0: Well, yes, we've, we've had been having chats since 2017 because, you know, I was doing some other work when I was at Pond. And one of our things was we recognized that, uh, you know, electronics um, were becoming a bigger part of, uh, of the whole of sport overall. Cycling uh, was lagging a bit behind everywhere else. And we said to our brand, "I said, what? Where do you see this? Where can where can electronics help you? Um, but it, it might be it'll be different for each brand. Each brand will have a different take on how they can in, incorporate electronics into their into their product line and how can it make the experience better for a customer." And so we got into it from that standpoint. And um, and a lot of the things I saw were just kind of it was eye opening. I was like, oh, I, I think there's a lot that we can add here. And the technology at that point, you know, they were talking, uh, I guess, really 2015 and that was really just starting to kind of, it was becoming so cheap. Like at that point, communication was basically almost free. Um, Memory chips were free. The processors were incredibly inexpensive. So everything became um, a case of, well, it's no longer limited by the tech. It's really limited by what's meaningful to the customer. And so it was a very, very interesting time. And it still is because now the tech is so cheap. Um, the question is, what's valuable to the customer? And so you really got to do that deep dive. And, and so I was looking for one of the projects that we were looking on. I was looking for who is the leader in sport electronics. And, um, and when, I, when I left them and I was working with some other people, it was again. We were looking for someone who really got that big picture and how could make make great sport tech, and they 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 kept coming up, and so I contacted them about a project. It it didn't actually go anywhere, but we just kind of kept talking, and um, I joined their board uh, last uh, February, January February, and then almost immediately COVID hit, and um, and it, from that standpoint, what was happening was a lot of boards were being take a more active role in different companies. You know, how can we help you guys? I mean, this could be, especially in February, March, you're thinking, was, is this going to be, you know, the end of the world? And for some companies, it's really, really hard. You know, we're lucky in the bike industry and that people suddenly wanted to get out and bike more. Um, and we've come out of it relatively unscathed, at least if you're, uh, you're able to have an online component uh, or service people remotely. But I mean, yeah, I started getting more involved in the in the daily operations of Four Eyes because they said, "Can you help out here?" And uh, you know, other other guys on our board were helping them from an investment standpoint and a financing standpoint. So yeah, it was just kind of I think a lot of boards that uh, I've, I'm involved in, like I guess three, and it was just all hands on deck. We were super involved, far more than you would typically see a board of directors be that. And now I think people have kind of, depending on the company, some have kind of pulled back a little bit and some have continued to be uh, more heavily involved. It really depends on the segment. But that's how I got involved uh, directly. It was like, okay, so where can the board help?
1: You're so right. That's one thing that went through my mind is what's going to happen with all these triathlon businesses, right? Like uh, it seems, I guess you guys in particular are being a 4 i those the smart trainers are going to become in real handy if, from what it seems like just based off how things are going people are wanting to stay at home these days a little bit more and now the, the weather's nicer there's there's a lot more use for just getting outdoors and using that cycling technology so i'm glad you guys went fairly unscathed and i know you guys have put a lot of work into that through your board so i think that's incredible and i guess for those who don't know what would your responsibilities be now for four eyes as the acting president
0: Well, it's kind of everything. So, I mean, the nice thing is when you bring someone in from the outside, um, they have, they approach it with kind of a more general approach. It's like, okay, so let me understand your business, uh, and where can I help or where can I have an opinion about, uh, where we should be, what we should be prioritizing. So I think that's, you know, you get a free kind of audit on the other hand. I mean, normally when you're engaged in, in, you know, in a senior role like this, you have the chance to sit down with your staff and, um, you know, discuss what they think the priorities are, where they see the challenges and obstacles. You can talk to your customers um, and you can talk to your suppliers. And it's a, you know, you you can form, uh, you have a few weeks to form a plan moving ahead. Uh, In this case, it was like, you just jump in and you better start swimming immediately. And and you couldn't really meet with people physically. um, So it's a bit awkward because, you know, you'd like to form those, those bonds of people and and a lot of that comes from looking at them and in the eye and, and speaking to them face to face. Um, but that, that wasn't possible and things were going so crazy so fast that it was just jump in and see where you can help, uh, immediately. So it was a baptism by fire if you want to call it that. But I mean, I think we've uh, made some big, some big improvements since, uh, since I've been there. Um, but that was helped a lot by, the fact that we were well-positioned to start with. I mean, we had already, um, you know, getting things out of China was really a real problem for everyone and everyone with any sort of links into China. I mean, I ordered some parts from China for the house uh, in early February and they arrived last week. So, I mean, <laughs> it's just crazy. But at the same time, we already had a factory in, in Calgary uh, or in Cochrane, which is just outside Calgary, and we have a factory that we started two years ago in Taiwan, so we're well equipped to service um, you know, our distributors and direct-to-consumer um, you know, globally already. So you know, we, we were able to service people that had already had those online stores, you know, whether it's our distributors or it's our dealers. Um, and we were able to keep doing it uh, when some of our other competitors were you know, still waiting for things to come out of China.
1: That's so true. Yeah. And when you speak on that topic, I guess, per se. Now, Brown Sports down in Toronto, I was there at a demo with 4i and when they unveiled their 4i flight trainer. And it was really well received by a lot of those people. And everyone was really excited. They, they couldn't wait to get their hands on this product. So, uh, you know, when you talk about the online component, that that's where it comes in really handy that people were able to go get that, especially through times like this pandemic. Right. And I want to talk a lot about that specific product, but I guess before we do, I think it's safe to say most people know who 4 is already, but if there's a couple out there who don't know it uh, for listeners, unfamiliar with 4 what's that company all about? And what could you kind of say about that company?
0: Well, we make the world's best power, best power meters. And it's, it's a sport tech company. So it's not just power meters. Like we make heart rate monitors. Uh, we, we've, been involved in technology for, I guess, the last nine years. Um, So I guess we're best known now for power meters, heart rate monitors, and uh, for the smart trainer, the the flight smart trainer. Um, And we have a, you know, it was founded by some people that had a very strong background in tech and were also involved in the sport. So I found it a great company to work for from that standpoint because you don't have to explain cycling to people. You just have to explain, because they all ride, it's a matter of, okay, really them teaching me about the the deeper technical aspects of it. Um, And I think I bring, and some of our other people bring more consumer focus to it, but there's a lot of people that are, you know, very strong in the tech, but very strong in cycling as well. So yeah, it's a really good place that uh, has a lot of potential to really get to the next level. So we're thinking about, you know, where does tech go and how can it make the experience uh, of a, uh, of an athlete better? And, and we, and we come from this tech background. We like to see that we can democratize technology and democratize the use of power. So we've always always focused, or the company has always focused on making a very inexpensive power meter, but also the best one. So right now we've we've dropped the price most recently to uh, two ninety nine US. Um, in, in the UK, that's uh, two ninety nine as well, and in, uh, in pounds. Uh, but at the same time, we've got the best power meter. So we, you know, most companies still are only measuring the strain on one axis on a, on a crank. We actually measured in three. So in three dimensions, and that's actually, you think how much difference does that make? Well, if you've got a very typical pedal stroke, it may not make a lot of difference, but there's a lot of variety in, in in pedal strokes and styles of riding between riders. And it does make a big difference on, on some, on some athletes, including some, um, some journalists have been quite surprised about how much of a difference it made on their personal style. And you think journalists would be very experienced and have, you know, pretty much all the same style. Mm, absolutely not actually. So, uh, yeah, I think it's nice to have something that, you know, is really the combination of those two things gives us the best value. doesn't matter who you are, whether you're, whether you're a world tour team or whether you're uh, someone that's just getting into cycling and, and you know, is, is now riding outside after being cooped up for The last few months, you know, we've got something that's a world tour quality and reliability, but also just accessible to anybody.
1: Absolutely, that that's fantastic. And to hear the four eyes. Now, of course, you guys are positioned in. You guys are out of Canada, but you guys are well positioned globally for the industry as far as innovative technology for our sport of triathlon, not only triathlon, cycling as well. But uh, from what I can tell, you guys have really gained a lot of traction with a lot of, as you mentioned, quality product at much cheaper pricing than other brands, which is really cool. That's, that's a great point to hit home and you touch base on the power meters there. And and I wanted to expand on that because I have the the power meter as well. And I want to kind of talk on, uh, now you guys have the precision power meter and the podium power meters available. And I guess for listeners that are in the markets for power meters right now, I think this is a great time to be buying one. So why again, should they be considering one of these power meters? Can you sort of expand on a little bit more on what you're just saying earlier?
0: Well, I think that, yeah, the difference is the two is, you know, some people want something that's rechargeable and some people want something that's powered by a coin cell uh, battery. Um, So CR2032 or something. Um, We offer both options. Uh, It really just depends on on what you're you're looking for. They both have the same accuracy. Um, They're both the same price. It's really just a matter of what suits your style uh, better. And, you know, they both have that same world tour reliability. I mean, we've, it's super well sealed. I mean, one thing that we learned at Cervello was like, you think you have a great product um, and then you give it to a world tour team and they take it to another whole level of abuse. It's just like, so it's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a very, very uh, difficult testing uh, regime. You know, the things that don't, sh- that never show up anywhere else, the test, the tour guys, they can actually take it up and they'll, you'll have problems there. So, you know, for years uh, four eyes has been with it, with the tour teams, the world tour teams. And I think that's why one of the reasons why we've had no problems with reliability and quality and accuracy. So it doesn't leak, you know, it's, it's super accurate. um, And, you know, we've, it's got to be that reliable so we can't be flying over every week to fix it. So we've, you know, focused on that over, over years. And that gives you the, the confidence as a customer that's like oh yeah okay well this year it's being used by uh ISN, Israeli as really startup nation tour uh team and Linda jackson's team which is tibco uh silicon valley bank and you know the two arguably two top teams in the world um both use our power meters and um i think that's a that's quite a
1: statement uh from them on their quality and reliability Absolutely. No, that goes a long way too. And, you know, it's awesome because I know athletes are really steering towards racing and training these days using power meters more and more, especially as they're becoming more accurate, more cheaper as the years progress. And it's obviously a great tool for anyone to add to their cycling repertoire. And, you know, even to say that there's very few top level athletes I've spoken to on this podcast so far that haven't been training with power or racing with power meters. So it's something that they'll use quite a bit. And that's why I'm more and more fascinated by that kind of product. And 4Eyes has an incredible lineup of power meters there. And now another product that you guys carry is the Viva heart rate monitor, which is absolutely fantastic because I love that one personally, but it's not just a heart rate monitor. And uh, could you explain how it also can act as an plus bridge and data recorder?
0: Yeah, well, it communicates in both ANT+ and Bluetooth, and it has actually... Uh, a bunch of memory in it, so you know if your if your head unit goes dead or something, um, if you're wearing the heart rate monitor, um, it can actually collect the data from your uh, from your heart rate, but also from your um, power meter. So you'll never have a problem of actually losing the data. Um, and it's it's got an accelerometer built into it as well. So it's got you know it's got it's a very smart uh, heart rate monitor. It has a lot of technology that it can actually and you know, I actually use. So. I think we're going to talk about more about that over the next few weeks and see how we can actually expand those, uh, those capabilities and get people more aware of what it can do for them. But yeah, it's a much more than just a heart rate monitor.
1: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's awesome. I and mean, just as itself as a heart rate monitor, I've been an absolute fan of it. You know, it, It's comfortable on and it does what it needs to do. And it's very accurate and precise and there's no dropouts or anything like that. So uh, that in itself is worth the purchase. But I mean, on top of it, the extra stuff you could do, I'd be very excited to see what comes out and what you guys can see that you guys can incorporate into it even further, because it's already doing a lot and uh, very fascinated by that. And Another recent hot topic around 4i has been their acquisition of Stack Performance and, of course, their release of that subsequent 4i Flight Smart Trainer, which, although that's the only 4i product that I obviously don't own here, I I say that I've owned the Stack Halcyon Smart Trainer and I've demoed the Flight. And it is a huge disruption in the tech industry, in my opinion. Uh, I haven't seen any others like that, so that's why I'm very fascinated by it. And I guess from your angle, working along with Four Eyes, how did this project all come about? I'm sure it would have been complex and difficult to jump through those hurdles of creating a product like that, right?
0: Yeah, well, it's. Um, I mean, it had a, been around for a while. The guys had uh, conceived it several years ago and had you know had it on the market. And uh, the involvement with Four Eyes was really to kind of take it to the next level, um, and you know have it produced in our in our factory in Alberta and, and Taiwan. And get it out to a greater, greater audience. So I think we've done a pretty good job of that. It's it's still getting better all the time. Um, and, uh, the nice thing about that is it's completely silent. Like the trainer makes no noise. Um, so your bike obviously has some noise. I mean, just the chain moving around, but I mean, I've had several friends that have acquired them because they're in a, you know, a small condo or in a, in a rebuilt house and, and, you know, one guy was saying, you know, everything else, like the whole house would start to shake when their trainer, and just the noise would be transmitted through everything. And in this case, you know, the trainer itself is absolutely completely silent, makes no noise. So it makes it uh, if you're in a small house or you've got your kids at home or your whole family's in a condo in this sort of uh, environment without with a uh, with COVID nineteen, it's like actually you can you can ride without ha- harassing or annoying everyone else in the uh, in the in the apartment. <laughs>
1: It's so true when you say that because uh, with, by the time I got my Stack Halcyon Smart Trainer was right around the time we had our first daughter as a newborn. And it was one of the saving graces because I could train while she was napping and I wasn't worried about waking her up. And uh, so that was a big, big win in my eyes. And that tech has just kind of went further with the 4 flight. So uh, that, that's really cool. And one of the things too I noticed too about as far as portability goes, I still remember it was actually I think the same weekend, but last year um, at down at Eagleman 70.3, The half Ironman there. I believe it was that. Anyway, one of these races here, Cody Beals took his trainer out. There was a delay in the uh, swim. So they were going to start on a bike. So he wanted to warm up and he just brought out his trainer and just started cycling a little bit. So I don't see any other direct drive options that are able to just so easily do that. Right. So those little things, I think, are what make a big difference when it comes to innovation. I think the team's done a really incredible job on that.
0: I'll mention that to Cody. That uh, it was you noticed that. So yeah, it is very portable. and that it's it's small and it goes away quickly. It doesn't need a power cord. So uh, yeah, it's one of the few trainers you can use. Uh, smart trainers you can use like that.
1: So we've spoken, I guess, on the current landscape of, of the 4i products out there now. And of course, 4i being an innovative company, I can only assume there's lots more coming down the chute that I'm excited and I can't wait for. But with the world how it is today with this ongoing pandemic, how does a company like 4i navigate through this weather while still trying to expand and grow, while keeping in mind all of these new changes that are kind of coming down with COVID?
0: Well, I mean, really, uh, <laughs> the big challenge for us over this COVID thing is like, initially, I think everyone just was terrified in February and March when, you know, things started to collapse. And um, so the initial response from everybody was, oh my God, how do we kind of prepare ourselves for this? How do we scale back? And then it was like uh, a month later, it's like, oh my God, how do we scale up? So that's <laughs> the biggest challenge from our standpoint is how do we produce more out of our, get more out of our factories? On the positive side, I guess there are our own factories. So I mean, it's totally up to us. We're not, you know, 10th in line behind everybody else uh, on a factory and somewhere in China waiting for the product to come out. We, we've got it within our own within our own control. At the same time, it's like you've just got to find more people and, and get them going. And both, um, like our people have been, you know, uh, really working hard in Alberta. But in, in Taiwan, we've had real trouble finding people. So, um, yeah, that's been a challenge. But, I mean, if we could produce twice as much, we
1: could sell it that's for sure. Right. Yeah. I mean, that's a good problem to have, I guess, right? <laughs>
0: yeah. It'd no. be nice if we could scale up faster, but we are doing it as fast as we can. So uh, the nice thing is like some of our competitors weren't able to do anything, whereas you know, we still kept our distributors and uh, and our online uh, store through just foureyes.com. Uh, we're able to supply people direct or through their dealer or, you know, through the distributor. So it's been going pretty well for us.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That, that's amazing. And, you know, again, it's such a competitive and a niche market, but I think 4 has done a really great job of getting their foot in the door there and it proved it. I mean, you proved it once with Cervelo and I'm excited to see this happen all over again and especially over the years to come and how 4i just continues to overtake the market. And uh, now, I guess from your experience being in this industry for, I guess, over or close to 25 years anyway now, uh, we've obviously come a long way in terms of innovation. Uh, I guess specifically I'm thinking of triathlon, but cycling as well. Uh, From your insight on these industries, can you enlighten us on sort of what landscape might look like in the next five, 10 years? Like, are we really advancing a lot more now? Or has this just been something steady? Or where can we see us heading with new technology for our sports?
0: Well, I think, yeah, you know, we saw the the sport of cycling had been kind of static. I mean, uh, when Jordan and I started Cervelo uh, in 95, 96, pretty much I think every world tour team except one or two. Was on a round tube Italian steel bike. I mean, you think about it now, and you go, "Really? That's just kind of bizarre." Um, so over the years that we grew Cervelo, we grew it from um, you know from kind of an oddity. It's like you're making these weird aero bikes out of you know aluminum and carbon fiber, and it's like now that's the norm. I mean, every world tour team is on a uh, an aero carbon bike. So um, that was a huge step of innovation there. I think the next big step in innovation is really in the sports tech side. Um, it's become, you know, so approachable. The, the cost has come down so much. Um, but then you have to start thinking about, okay, so how do I make it? So So it's not all about tech. It's about the customer. And it's about making it simple and easy and making a better experience for that customer. So how do you, how do, you do that? And I think, you know, from a tech side, we're well positioned to do that. And the fact that so many people so many people within four eyes ride um, you know, all, pretty much all the management team, uh, are pretty hardcore. Uh, it's, it's going to be a matter of how do we combine those two things? So I think we'll be well positioned for it, but the question is making it simple and approachable, uh, instead of complex. So, and where do you, where do you find that? What is, what does make it better? Just because you can do it doesn't mean you should do it, uh, or that anyone's really going to buy it. So I think there's going to be a lot of stuff coming up in the next, uh, the next few years from its sport tech that'll make uh, it's going to be small and not be visible as much, but it's going to be simple and easy and, uh, and much more convenient for the customer.
1: Right. And now I'm just trying to wrap this through around my head. I'm sure maybe listeners might be thinking the same thing too. So if there is an idea in place, I'm sure if you gather enough uh, like-minded individuals uh, like four, I says down at you guys headquarters and you guys have these great ideas, what's the process like to take it from simply an idea to like, do you guys, have a list of prototypes and you test out some prototypes or, or do it in some small control group settings or like, how does it, how do you create a product and then get it from basically the start to get to the mass markets and feel confident about that?
0: Well, I think, yeah, it's uh, prototyping is definitely part of it. And uh, it's gotta be an open uh, you know, a very open environment that's very um, non-judgmental and just gets ideas out. So people aren't afraid to come up with a great idea. And then it's a matter of, you know, getting, a bunch of stimulus in it it's not just about just give me your ideas it's like go out and constantly be searching for ideas so look at watch your customer watch how he's behaving is he doing something weird um or something that's a waste of waste of time or is, what's his frustration what's his pain point point? and if you watch your customer um and they may not even be recognize, recognize themselves that they have this this annoyance so it's a matter of you know watching with a, a critical eye and then thinking yourself, like, okay, so how could I make that better, or what is that experience? What's the ultimate experience? Um, so yeah, it's it's bringing together diverse group of people and having a very open, uh, innovative environment. But it's a culture of experimentation and creativity, and you've got to foster that. And once you have that, that's your that's a, a starting point for developing great ideas. And then it's like bringing out those ideas and figuring out which ones of those have the greatest potential and which ones that, you know, most excite people and kind of putting together a little bit of a, uh, a paper prototype to figure out what that would be. And then going through iterative steps to continuously improve it. And then when you've got it nailed, then you just launch it through your, your regular production development process.
1: Awesome. No, it really is fascinating to think about everything that goes into it. When we think of innovation, all we see is the final product and uh, us as consumers, but to think of everything that goes on behind the scenes to get to that final product, it's it's truly fascinating and it's come a long way and I'm excited to see where it's going to head out in the next several years here. And uh, you know what, I, I guess as we begin to wrap this chat up here, uh, do you have any big plans this year with four eyes or is there anything in the works right now that we're able to shed some light on that we're able to speak on yet that we haven't <laughs> spoke on? Or is this just a matter of, you know, just let's get production going to, you know, get everything out to our, 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 customers. Well,
0: I think that's what our, our customers, including our distributors and dealers would tell us first is like, don't do anything new. Just get me the product that I've already got on order. <laughs> So uh, I'm hearing that loud and clear from both customers and dealers and distributors. So that is definitely our our first, uh, our first priority. Um, And then, you know, we've got a a bunch of really neat ideas. Uh, It's one thing that this company does not lack is, is ideas. So um, it's a matter of figuring out where we should go with those. But yeah, I think, you know, we've got a a great product. Um, Our our, uh, goal is to make it more accessible to everybody. And how do we do that? So, yeah, certainly, uh, you know, producing more is part of it, but that's not the, the be-all and the end-all.
1: No, exactly. No, that's good stuff. And I mean, for the listeners who are intrigued about these 4i products, you know, I, I can personally say I've tried and used them all. I can stand behind their quality and the products, which is why I was happy to be inviting you and chatting with you here today. And of course, uh, head to 4i.com if anyone wants to check out the products. And just, I guess, to confirm with everyone, because it is a Canadian-based company, uh, where is can it ship globally or how does that all work?
0: Yeah, it can ship globally. So we can take care of that. You can either buy it uh, ride ready, which means you basically, we can ship you a crank, um, that you just bolt onto your current bike. Or if you have, uh, something that you crank, you're particularly happy with now, we can, you can ship that in and we can actually, um, apply a power meter directly to it. So sometimes there's a bit of a interference if your frames, a bit of an odd shape or something. So we can check that for you as well. Um, but, you know, have a look at the website and we can get it out to you. And no matter what you get, it's a, it's a three-year warranty. So we'll stand behind the product. It's super reliable, you know, and you can see that by being on the world tour for the last uh, N years. Uh, It's a, it's a quality
1: product that works really well. Definitely. And yeah, I I can stand behind that as well. I sent my crank in and uh, it was a seamless process. You guys helped helped me to figure out that it could fit on my frame specifically. And uh, it, it worked really smooth. So I was very happy with that. And You know what? I think that's a great place to end it off here, Phil. I mean, of course, it's been super inspiring and informative chat with you today. And of course, uh, through these times, I mean, stay safe and stay healthy and all the best, man. Appreciate that.
0: All right. My pleasure. And yes, you too. Stay healthy.
1: Take care. Cheers. Awesome. Well, that's a wrap with Phil White. Thanks so much for listening in, guys. And if you enjoyed this episode, among others, then please take a minute to open up your Apple podcast app on your iPhone, search Pacing Racing, click subscribe, and then scroll down to the bottom and leave us a quick written review. It takes less than a minute to do, but it goes a long way in helping me out. So, to all who do that, thanks so much. It's highly appreciated. And other than that, happy training. And if you want to train with me on Swift, then drop me a follow by searching Steven Langhausen. Anyway, take care. Chat soon. Cheers.